So, enough of that. Fasting's kind of funny because I don't think I've ever really heard like a, like a sermon on fasting. So buckle up, you're getting one. Um, uh, I was like studying through it. I'm just like, you know, this is something that I wish that I had back when I first became a Christian because people would talk about fasting and I'm like, I don't really, I don't know what you mean. Um, and so I want to give some teaching, some understanding around fasting. Um, fasting is one of those things that, well, quite honestly, it's kind of either least known or least talked about Christian disciplines. And uh, we don't really talk about it. We kind of just assume that you'd know, but we kind of reserve it for the ultra-spiritual crowd. You know, those people. Apparently none of them are in here. But there's those ones that like, you know, they fast. You know, that one. You know, and like, and, but the normal Christians, we just pray, right? We just kind of, we pray and we don't need to do all the like not eating thing because that just seems wrong. But, but biblically speaking, fasting is supposed to be a part of the normal Christian life. And so that's what I want to talk about today. It's an ancient path. As we've been talking about resetting our souls to factory standard settings, this is one of those ancient paths, these, these keys to, to resetting our souls that Christians have used for centuries and uh, all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament alike. So let me get into this. What is fasting? Fasting, simply, simply defined as this, refraining from food for spiritual purposes. Refraining from food for spiritual purposes. He loves it. Refraining from food. Now, now, people can do different things. They could, you know, refrain from technology or Facebook and things like that. But, but the actual fasting, in biblically speaking, is refraining from food. Um, to which you might be thinking, do you mean all food? Do you mean, like, every food? Uh, just water? Like, how long exactly is fasting? And isn't that wrong? Don't we need food to stay alive? That's a great point. But fasting in and of itself is essentially, there's many variations to fasting. Um, it's really about the heart behind it. It's really about kind of the, the purpose behind, which is what we're, wanna, we're gonna talk about today. Um, so how you choose to fast is really up to you, between you and God. Um, there's no legalism involved in it. And so um, there's a story in Matthew chapter 17, and I've always thought it was odd. This is in Matthew 17, verse 14. It says this. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. You may have remembered this. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls. In other translations, says he throws himself into the fire or into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do it. Couldn't heal him. And then Jesus' response in verse 17. You can read it for yourself. It's not necessarily a glowing review. He says, um, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Okay. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. It's interesting to me. Jesus calls that generation, it wouldn't be us, but that generation, he calls them unbelieving, two things, unbelieving and perverse. Now, let's just kind of dumb this thing down. Unbelieving would simply mean that they're disconnected from God. You know, you're unbelieving, you're not trusting God, you're not, you're not, you're not believing God, you're, you're an unbelieving generation, so you're disconnected from God. Perverse means that you're connected to the world. Perverse means that you're kind of really connected to worldly desires and all of those things. So, so he's saying, in essence, that you're, you're disconnected from God and you're connected to the world. And then he goes on verse, in Matthew, Mark chapter 9, verse 28, they're kind of like, whoa, that was crazy. Jesus seemed to just drop the mic on us and then heal the boy and then everything's good. And so later on, 
this happened a lot with the disciples. They're like talking to Jesus after the fact. Mark chapter 9, verse 28. When he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, they're like, Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Like, what was up with that? And Jesus says in verse 29, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Well, it's interesting to me that Jesus says, okay, you calls us, you know, calls them uh, an unbelieving and perverse generation. In other words, you're disconnected from God and you're connected to the world. And the answer to that is prayer and fasting. Prayer connects you to God and fasting disconnects you from the world and worldly desires. So he's saying like the, the thing that, that you're struggling with is that you're disconnected from God and that you're way too connected to your worldly desires. And the answer to that is that you would become connected to God through prayer and that you become disconnected from the world through fasting. He's like, this is kind of the, the point of what I'm trying to say. In other words, that fasting and prayer go together. And sometimes I would say, especially in our 21st century culture, American culture, is that we, we can focus a lot on connecting to God, but we don't necessarily always focus on disconnecting from the world. God, would you please, you know, move in me? I just don't want to change anything, right? I, I, I want to be connected to you, but I don't want to have to give up anything that I'm connected to. And this is kind of why it's, when he's talking about prayer and fasting and these two things going together, I always think it's strange that Jesus is like, oh, oh, this demon, this one comes out only through prayer and fasting. Because I, I, I've always read it like, oh, like there's, there's like the low-level demons and you can cast those out easy, but then there's the toughies and those ones you got to like pray and fast in order to, to get them out because the Spirit of God can get out the small ones, but the Spirit of God doesn't have enough Spirit of God to be able to remove the ones that are, that are bigger than that. The odd thing is this. Jesus doesn't fast before he casts out the demon. He doesn't say like, he doesn't come up and they, they come up to him and they're like, hey, sorry, your, your disciples, they tried and they couldn't do it. And he's like, hold on, give me five days, I'll be back. And then he goes and he fasts and prays and then he comes back five days later. Who was it that needed that? Oh yes, that was the big, the big, the toughie. Okay, good. Boom, gone. And the question that I've been wrestling with is this, that like, I, I think he wasn't necessarily so much talking about the power of the demonic, because we kind of like to focus on that sometimes. It's like, well, that, that demon was powerful or that demon was, was not as powerful or whatever, but what if he was actually teaching us something about how to bring an increase of the power of God in our prayer life? Not so much of like, oh, that demon, you, that, one, that one's a tough one, and that one's an easy one. You, if you get the toughie, you need to fast and pray and all those things. What if he was actually getting to the point that there is some secret, there is some ancient path, there is some key that through fasting, you have increase of power of God in your life? So that when you come upon something, when you, when you walk into a situation that is a really toughy situation, whether that's a demonic thing or, or otherwise, you can walk into it with the power of God in your life, in your prayer life, and in your ministry so that you, you don't have time to be like, oh, gee, this is a really tough one. I'm going to have to go and, and pray for five days to be able to handle it. He's saying as you fast and as you pray, there's an increase of power in your life. So, so I want to talk about four things. Why would you fast? Why? Why would you go without food? Why would you refrain from food for spiritual purposes? The first reason is this, because Jesus expects you to. That's the first reason. He says this, Matthew chapter 6, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 6, if you look at verse 5, 6, and 7, I'm going to read just the first phrase of each one of these verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says this, and when you pray, go to verse 6, but when you pray, Go to verse 7. 
and when you pray. I want you to understand, see that. He's like, so, so when you pray, don't do this. But when you pray, do this. But when you pray, don't do this. Notice that he doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say like, oh, you know, if you were to pray. In other words, baked into this scripture, we see that Jesus is kind of taking for granted that his disciples would be praying on a regular basis. He's not saying if you decide to pray, if you're a follower of me, and if you decide to pray, he's like, but when you pray, do this or don't do this. And then we go down just a few more verses in verse 16. And it says this, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. You, you know, when you're, when you're just like, oh, I'm so hungry and holy. Did I mention I'm holy too? You can tell from my hungry face. I'm, I haven't eaten because I'm so, ho- I'm so holy, right? You understand the disfiguring of the face thing? I hope I did it okay. Um, he says, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full because everybody's like, wow, you're really crummy. Like, you really are uh, cantankerous. Like, you know, like, and so you, you, you've got it, right? Because people, everybody knows. And then he goes on in verse 17. He says it again. But w- when, when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, wash your hair and brush your teeth so that it will not look and be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice in the same thing, he doesn't say if you fast. He says, but when you fast. And I would argue, so go so far as to say, is that Jesus expects us to fast in the same way that he expects us to pray. If prayer isn't kind of an add-on to our life, then, then fasting isn't either. So the first reason we would pray is, or we would fast is that Jesus expects us to. The second reason is this, that um, we, we would fast because we want to be strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to look at what, what happened when Jesus fasted. And, and look, look, this is Jesus. So he did like 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, that would be probably dangerous and, uh, and, and, and very significant if we tried to do that. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Notice before we even get into this, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And the voice of God spoke with everyone around hearing saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This just happened. Amazing. God opens up the heavens, tears them open. It's like, yeah, this is my guy, right? Luke chapter 4, verse 1. You think, man, he's going on like a, a tour, world tour. This is going to be awesome. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, duh, he was hungry. Um, and, I, and I think that when we read this, a lot of times we focus on the 40 days in the desert, three temptations and Satan actually, you know, meets him and like has this whole like, you know, you should do this. No, I don't do that. And all this kind of stuff. And like, but don't miss the fact that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into a fast. It wasn't all about the wilderness. The wilderness isn't a destination. The destination was going into a fast. Fasting wasn't just some, some, like an odd coincidence where he's like, man, I, I feel led to go into the wilderness and there's not much to eat, so I guess I'm not going to eat for 40 days. Like He goes into the wilderness. He is led by the Spirit into a fast, refraining from food for spiritual purposes. This was the actual like, choice of Jesus to do this. If you think about it, 
one of the temptations of the three temptations of Satan in, in the wilderness was to break the fast. Do you realize that? When he's like, when he says to Jesus, hey, um, you know, you should eat. It's been days, man. This is, who you, you're not proving anything to anybody. You should eat something. In fact, you're Jesus. You could take these rocks. You could make them into bread. You should break your fast. It's one of his temptations is to do and to break the very decision that he was choosing to walk into. This was the temptation of Satan. And Jesus answered in Matthew 4, 4. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus values fasting so much so that he's willing to choose to starve his flesh to feed his spirit. That's a big deal. And, and, if, and if he's kind of like, this is, this is exactly what he's patterning for us to do, we walk in the pattern of Christ. So this was something that, you know, there's something that happened in these 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by, the, by Satan and, and, and fasting that empowered him. Because he'd already been baptized, the heavens had already been ripped open, the Spirit had already descended, he, the, 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 the Spirit of the Father of God had literally just confirmed him that he was his son, that he was well-pleased, but something happened in these 40 days. There's something that happens in fasting when what is inside of us comes out of us. And sometimes that's not great stuff, and sometimes that's what God has deposited, that he actually just makes it cemented on the inside of us. Because we read this, after all the fast, after the temptation, he's pretty stinking hungry. Verse 14, it says this of Luke 4. Jesus returned to Galilee, catch this word, in the power of the Spirit. So he went into his fast led by the Spirit, and he returned from his fast in the power of the Spirit. There was something that happened in his fasting that, that God was taking what is internal and making it external. And my prayer for every single one of you, if you choose to say, all right, yeah, he keeps talking about fasting. I guess I'm going to try something, right? If you get to this place where you're like, I'm going to, to try to do this over these next Monday through Friday, this five-day fast, my prayer is, is that you would be led into it by the Spirit and that you would return out of it in the power of the Spirit. And when I say, I want you to pray about being led into it by the Spirit, here's the, th here's the thing. The last thing I want is for you to just do it. But you know why? Because the last thing I want is for New Life Church to be represented by a bunch of grumpy people that hate their pastor by Tuesday, right? The last thing I want is marriages to break up because she's like, you are already a bear to live with. You need to eat something. This is killing me, right? Because if you're not led into it, then you don't stick with it, right? You let, you're being led into it by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you come out of it in the power of the Holy Spirit. This, this is kind of what, what happens in Christ, that what is internal becomes external. God is always wanting to change this from the inside out. So the third point is this. Um, so let me go over. The first one is that Jesus expects you to. The second one is to find a greater empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the third one, which is interesting, and this is what I was just finding as I was studying, is this, to hear God's will for a decision. So maybe you're in a place, when I'm guessing every single one of us are in some arena of life, where you're at maybe a crossroads, and you've got a decision to make. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's to have a kid, maybe it's to have a third kid, or a fourth kid, or a fifth kid, I don't know. Maybe it's to get married, maybe it's just to take this, take this way, or take this way, or decide to make this decision or, or not. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Every single one of us are in a place where we're kind of like, man, I, I think I'm supposed to go this way, but I really would like to hear the mind of God on this. Or at least we should be. 
in this place of like, I think I kind of know what I want, but, but it would help to know that I know that I know because I'm hearing from, from God. Fasting is the ancient path to get there. Really? The early church sets a pattern for us. Acts chapter 13, let me read it for you, verse 2. It says, while they, were fasting, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. Verse 3, catch it again. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Notice that in these two verses, they fasted twice. The first time they fasted to hear the, God's will in this situation and the second time they fasted before executing God's will in the situation. These, these guys were like in a constant state of fasting and prayer and worshiping and fasting and going through these things. Like, I want to hear God's will in this situation. And so they fasted and prayed. The very next chapter in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. So they, they, they got to choose some, some elders. There's leadership needs in these new church plants, and they don't know who they should put in these places. It says, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So they, they're like, hey, we, we need to fast and pray in order to get God's strategy on appointing elders in churches. We need, we need to make a decision. Who, 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 I mean, this guy looks good. He's got some leadership potential. This guy's a high D on the disc profile. This one has a really good resume. Maybe we should choose one of these. And they chose to say, you know what? We're going to get the mind of God. How did they get the mind of God? Through prayer and fasting. And my question for me, for you, for us, even in the American church, is do we think we found a better way? Do we think that, that we've, we've, we've figured out a way around doing the pattern that was set for us by the early believers of prayer and fasting, of worshiping and, and fasting and applying that into our own life? Have you found a better way? The last point of why you should fast is, is simple. It's, it's to humble ourselves, to humble ourselves. God will lift you up through miracles, but he builds us up through humility. He builds us up through humility. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, Peter says almost the same thing as James. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Did you know that people can humiliate you, but only you can humble yourself? People can humiliate you, People can embarrass you. People can, you can be humiliated in a situation or by others, but, but only you can humble yourself. And I think many times we're like, God, I, maybe you've prayed this, maybe you haven't. We're like, God, would you just humble me? You're like, I've never prayed that. <laughs> God, would you just humble me? I, I believe the word of God is don't ask God to humble you. He told you to do that. He says time and time again, humble yourself. But God, I was just praying that you would, you would humble me. What does it even look like? He says, humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before me. And what's interesting to me is, so what does humbling ourselves and fasting have to do? Well, fasting is the God-appointed way to humble yourself. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. Early believers, if you, if you just kind of read through the Old Testament, that term, humble yourself before the Lord, if you look throughout the Old, Old, Old Testament, um, that word humble yourself and fasting were synonymous. 
It was just kind of known when, the, when you'd see humble yourself, that was kind of just known that that was often referred to as, as fasting. So why would fasting be humbling yourself? Why, well, let's think it through. Like if, if fasting is humbling ourselves, what's the opposite of humbling ourselves? Pride. And when we're walking in pride, what do we say? We say things like, you're not the boss of me. I do what I want to do. You don't tell me what to do. That's pride. But fasting is essentially coming to, coming to God and saying, God, I am choosing to submit myself to something greater than me. You're not the boss of me, pride. In fact, I'm submitting myself something greater than my stomach. So no, I don't, I'm not going to just do what I want to do. You're not the boss of me. And I'm coming under something greater than me. Fasting is not necessarily trying to get more of God. It's just God getting more of you. Saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to humble myself and to submit myself. It's essentially saying, like, God, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think many times you're just like, God, you just humble me. But what does that even mean? What does that even look like? We need to be able to put something into practice, put something into action. And fasting is simply a way for us to put something to the lip service of God. I, I want to humble myself. He says, we'll skip a meal. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. Skip a meal. Can't be Jesus. Jesus likes me eating, right? Because I'm a better boy when I eat, right? And so he's like, no, skip a meal. And you're like, uh, just humble me other ways. Maybe in other ways? He's like, no, this is the way. Okay. The Lord reminded me of, of another scripture, and it's a well-known scripture that has the word humble yourself in it. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14, and he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves fast and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. If, if it's just kind of generally understood that that word humble themselves would, would mean fasting, what if it's true that it's actually hard for us to exaggerate the benefits of fasting? What if, what, if, what if fasting may be such that ancient path or that key that it's hard to really even just say, well, I don't know if it's really that great. Well, what if it actually is part of the scripture where it's like, if you would fast and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then, then these amazing things will happen. Like I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their, their land. Because if it is true, then it's no wonder why Satan has tried so hard to keep fasting out of God's people because he's scared of it. If there really is an ancient path to an increase of power in the Holy Spirit, if there really is um, uh, an ancient path to be able to get the mind of God about a decision or a situation or something that you've got in front of you, if there really truly is an ancient path, a key, a secret to getting the mind of Christ in our life, then, then wouldn't, wouldn't Satan try to tell you, that? I mean, you should eat. You should eat. Turn these, turn these rocks into bread. You, you, you should. You should do this thing. And, and, and what if it is true that Jesus' response of man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? What if the benefits of fasting actually cannot be exaggerated? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I, I want to I I employ you with this today. 
I've got this little, uh, I made a fasting devotional. And uh, there's, if you grabbed one last week, if you didn't get one, we've got some at the back of the auditorium, right by the, by the back uh, seats. And uh, if you're with us online, you can go to nlc.today and click on uh, 21, and we've got a digital version of this. Here's what, I, here's what I'll say. I'm handing you a key, an ancient path. And I guess the question is, like, what are you going to do with it? What do you feel like God is leading you to do? So I encourage you to take one of these. I made this as a resource for anybody that maybe you fasted a hundred times in your life and maybe you're like, I didn't even know. I thought you were talking about breakfast, right? Like I thought that like we were going to have breakfast, right? Like that sounds good. But you're talking about not eating instead of eating? I'm out of here, right? And so you're kind of in this place of like, this is, this is new to me. This is something that I've never, I've never been. This walks you through it. This will walk you through and, and kind, of, kind of set this thing up for you. Here's before I would even say this. Allow the Holy Spirit to confirm it to you first. Like I said, the last thing I am calling the church to is a bunch of grumpy people that hate their pastor by Tuesday. Okay? Allow the Holy Spirit to confirm it in you. And if the Holy Spirit's confirmed it in you, then the first thing you do, and we put this on here, literally, it's on this first page, is set your purpose. Before you start deciding, because I know this is where everybody goes, they're like, okay, so... I'm going to probably eat something. Like, I'm going to binge eat everything tonight. I'm going like, to store up, right, for the winter, right? And I'm going to, so you're already thinking about, like, maybe I'll do the intermittent fasting. I've been meaning to try that. My mom's been talking about it, right? Or you get into this place where you're just like, this sounds like I could lose a few pounds. This sounds, you all of a sudden are already starting to think, like, what can I eat and not eat? Here's what I would say before you even get into the whole, like, eating, not eating. You're already thinking, where's my juicer? Where have I put my juicer? I haven't used that in years, right? Set your purpose. Because it has less to do with what you're eating and not eating and fruits and vegetables versus smoothies versus, versus Daniel fast versus partial fast versus intermittent fasting. It has more to do with the purpose that God has set before you to do it. And so we literally have these like bunch of just options, things that might come up to you that you could circle and say, yeah, this is something that like I feel like God's asking me to do this. Maybe you've got a big decision in front of you and you're kind of at a crossroads and you just know that you need to hear the word of the Lord. Maybe you need some spiritual strength in the season that you're currently in because you know this is a tough season. Maybe you need breakthrough in an area of your life, maybe in an addiction or in a relationship. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need something going on in your life. Just set your purpose ahead of time before you start looking into food options and, and what all that's going to look like because fasting without a purpose and prayer is called a diet. And, and, and hear me, I'm not calling New Life Church to a five-day diet plan. Love for you to lose some weight. That's awesome, right? But that's a byproduct of what it is that God is wanting to do as we starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Amen? Amen. The second thing is this, make a plan. This is where you're like, okay, cool. This is where the eating stuff comes in because that's what I'm, I'm nervous about. I'm getting really hungry just talking about it. And so we got like complete fast, selective fast, partial fast, soul fast. You could do all different types of fast. Some of you are going to decide because you're in a place maybe, maybe um, health-wise or you've got some health conditions where you're just deciding, you know what, I'm going to do something, a different variation. Or some of you may even decide, I'm going I'm to fast Facebook, right? Here's what I would say for some of you that are 65-year-old men. You're not even on Facebook, so don't fast it. Okay? Okay? You're not fooling anybody. It's like my dad for Lent. He would always give up watermelon. I'd be like, that man is so holy. You can't buy a watermelon these days, right? 
You can't get a watermelon during Lent. And you'd be like, yes, I, I always give up watermelon. I'm like, oh, now I understand it. When I got smarter over the years, I'm like, that's why I always gave it up. So give up something. Here's what I would say. Push yourself harder than you want to go. Push yourself harder than you want to go. Don't give up watermelon. And men, please don't give up Facebook because you know it isn't your thing, right? But maybe for some of you it is. There's no right or wrong way to fast. The actual fasting is food, refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. But it's kind of up to you. There's no, this isn't a legalistic thing, right? So there's a whole lot of different options in here, choices, things. Maybe God's leading you to something else to consider. I would encourage you just to do something harder than you would like to do. All right? Because if you want what you currently have, then just do what you're normally doing. But if you want what you don't have, if you want what few people have, then you've got to do what few people do. So push yourself. Push yourself in, a, in an area of life. Why? To starve the flesh, to feed the spirit. Because it's about feeding your spirit, not just about starving the flesh. Why don't you stand with me? Here's what I would say. The thing that I'm most excited about is this. Whatever you do, do it in faith and expect God to move. Whatever you do, whatever decision you make, whatever you're like, okay, I'm going to take part in this in this way, or I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give this up, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this plan, and there's, a, there's five days of just like literally walking through day one, day two, day three, day four, day five of Scripture and, and, and kind of a reading plan for you to go through. But here's the thing I would say. Whatever you do, do in faith and expect God to move. Expect him to move. Because a lot of times we can tend to look for God in the spectacular and the unexpected, but most times he works in the ordinary and everyday. Sometimes we expect God to move in the event or the meeting, and he tends to work in the eating and drinking of life. The simple things of life. And I firmly believe that if you so choose, you're like, you know what? Sometimes we need accountability for other people to come along and be doing the same thing along with us. It's the beauty of an all-church fast that we would just say, you know what, I'm going to try this. And, and I believe that God wants to move in this area of my life. And I'm going I'm to expect that he's going to move in this area. I'm going to expect that he's going, to, he's going to show up. And I believe that as you are led into this fast by the Spirit, that you'll return from this fast in the power of the Spirit that God is wanting to do a new thing in you, in us, to reset our souls back to factory standard settings. I believe that God wants to do a new work in you. Would you take, a, take an opportunity to say, I, I like to eat. And I don't like not eating. But I'm willing to walk the ancient path. Because if there's a key, if there's, if there's a promise, if there's a pathway to greater freedom, to greater power in my life, to get the mind of God for a situation, a decision that I have in front of me, then God, I'm going to trust you that maybe you know better than I do. And so I humble myself before you today. Because you've got great things in store. Lord Jesus, I pray for every single one of us as a church, I believe as we head into this 21, as we, as we take part in different things, that our hearts would be led into this. God, I pray that we would walk out of it 
and greater power of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I can't wait to hear some testimonies of, of healings, of relationships, of, 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 of physical healings in our life. God, I, I can't wait to hear what it is that you want to do in our midst when we choose to say, okay, this is in the word of God and I'm, I'm going to choose to obey it, even though I don't understand it and it's not necessarily comfortable. God never called me to be comfortable. He didn't die so I'd be happy. He died so I'd be free. So Lord, as we walk in that freedom, we choose to not just ask you to humble ourselves, but that we, we choose to walk in obedience to it. And so, Lord, I pray you'd have your way in us. Those of us who are just deciding maybe even right now to take part in it, Lord, I pray that on Tuesday they wouldn't hate me. Lord, I pray on Tuesday they'd find their, their hope and that they would realize that they don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I, I pray that we would find a, a greater grit in our spirituality that isn't waffling to and fro and depending on how many cups of coffee we've had in our day but that truly we would be centered, sold out, all in for you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the freedom, for the gift, for the key, for the ancient path. And we choose to walk in it. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.